0: You're listening to the Experience the Key podcast, a deeper look into the Sikh identity. We present to you open, honest, and inspiring stories. No armor, pretense, or sugarcoating. Welcome to the Experience the Key podcast. I'm Dilraj Singh. We begin the podcast by acknowledging that we are meeting on Aboriginal land that has been inhabited by Indigenous peoples from the beginning. As settlers, we're grateful for the opportunity to meet here, and we thank all the generations of people who have been, who have taken care of the land for thousands of years. In particular, we acknowledge the traditional territory of the Semiyamu, Katsi, Coquitlam, Kwantlen, Kakite, and Swasun First Nations. Also, just some reminders, if you guys like the podcast, please remember to comment, rate, and subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Google Play. You can also send us questions and feedback at podcast at com. Once again, that's podcast at com. Our guest today is Bhavanjeet Kaur. Bhavanjeet Kaur is a resident in family medicine at the UBC Surrey South Fraser program. She completed her undergrad studies at UBC in kinesiology, as well as medical school at UBC. When she's not studying or working, she loves to spend time with her family and friends outdoors. She all, She's always down to go on a hike or a long walk outside. She also loves to travel and has been to five out of seven continents. So here's Bhavanjithkar. Welcome. Thank you so much for being with us today. How are you doing?
1: Thank you for having me on the podcast. It's exciting. Um, I'm doing well. Just a regular old Friday today.
0: <laughs> so for those who don't know, can you tell the listeners a bit about yourself?
1: Um, sure. So, I guess you've given a pretty good intro here. Um, my name is Babanjit Gore. I'm born and raised in Vancouver, um, and then, like was mentioned, I have uh, gone to school at UBC for all of my schooling all these years. Um, through undergrad into med school, and I'm doing my residency right now in family medicine here. Um, and yeah, and that's pretty much, you know, and I like to be outdoors. That's the theme here.
2: <laughs>
0: awesome. Um, we're gonna get a bit into your career and education as well, but part of the podcast is also educating listeners on how to balance a sick lifestyle and being a sick professional along with, you know, the professional development that we have to go through. So what did your journey into Sikki look like? Um, what role did your friends and family play? Was it something that was around ever since you were a kid? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, So I'm very lucky. My Mataji was a great influence in my Sikhi and my life. So she was Amritari in her own family, like one of the first to be Amritari in her own family as well. And then when we were younger, like she really like instilled those values into us. And so like would read bedtime Sakya and like just tell us all the history of like all the great Gorshik and Guru Sahibs and that that's really where the Sikhi started, um, which I'm so indebted to. And um, so, yeah, I think I was like... That was all throughout our childhood and Marjit uh, Kirpa took Amrit in grade four. Um, my mom was nervous. She was worried that like, how would I do it until like when I grow older yeah. in the world? But uh, we did with Marjit Kirpa. And then after that, like really like Sikhi was just such a focal point in our lives in terms of like my mom would always get us to be more exposed mm-hmm. um, and then eventually we, my mom found out about the Guru Nanak Academy, so my family lived in Vancouver, so we weren't really connected to Surrey or the programs there, but mm-hmm. she found, like, an ad in a newspaper, I think, or something, really? and she's like, oh, this seems cool, let me take my yeah. kids here, um, and that was one of the best, like, best decisions, because, like, yeah, my saki really grew at the Guru Nanak Academy, and then, um, yeah, I just continued on from there.
0: Did you ever- take Amrit before entering Gurnanic Academy or was that?
1: Before yeah so that was like a um, everybody knows Kalsa school I think so that was a Kalsa school camp week okay. and uh, took Amrit there um, after that yeah.
0: A lot of people outside of BC don't know what the Granonic Academy was do you want to just share some information about what this institute was and the impact it had on youth in BC?
1: Sure so um, Granonic Academy was started by Singh by Singhji and um, I might get the date wrong. I think it's 2004. (laughs) Don't quote me on that. But um, they were like a really great Gorsik, whose like idea was they really wanted to connect the youth with Sikhi and like through like a lot of English medium like Katha and English. I think they are one of the first ones to do that. Um, And then really like started this like academy and place for people to come learn like Gurbani translations and all of that. So I wasn't like a fortunate to be around the time of Bipa Mender Sangji. They um, passed away in a car accident a few mm-hmm. years later. Um, So I joined the academy afterwards. Um, But really like the idea of the ac- academy was to connect youth again, like through this like kind of English medium to Sikhi. Um, mm-hmm. And then – like, in my life, I guess, like, I started going to, like, something called a Saturday night class, which was, like, every Saturday, um, pradeep Singh would do katha on a, like, uh, a Shabbat, basically, mm-hmm. and they tell us, Saki, Rukitin, it was, like, a great vibe, it was, like, the That's place awesome. to be on Saturdays, and, like, for seven years, I think, like, every single Saturday without fail, it was like, our favorite place to go, like, we look yeah. forward to it, and I, like, wow. learned so much, uh, about history, about Gurbani, and, like, developed such a Piyadh there, and, um, that's kind of my connection to Granatic Academy. And it was like, I'm, yeah, I feel very grateful for it. Yeah,
0: Being in Amritari at such a young age, um, did it present, an, I was going to ask if it presented any challenges in high school onwards, but even being in the elementary years, mm. um, you take that step. And from my experience, it felt like everyone thought um, I was a different person mm. as soon as I took Amrit. Did you find any challenges in like your academic and social life after you took Amrit?
1: Uh, interesting questions. I was quite young in grade four. I think like in grade four when I took Amrit, I don't, I don't think people really could tell. Like, it was just like, oh yeah. And, and I went to like, I was like in a very like white neighborhood where I grew up. So there was like no open W's in my school. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I don't think anybody really could tell, but I did have like an experience in grade four and that same year, I guess, where like somebody saw my group and they started yelling on the playground. They're like, she has yeah. a knife and that actually really traumatized me. It was very hard. Cause like mm. nobody there understood or knew anything. And exactly. like, I felt very like, oh I'm in trouble. Um, and I remember like, my mom came and talked about it, but like that did shape a lot of my, like, I know for many years I was really nervous about my group on and what mm-hmm. people would think. Cause it's like a harder thing to yeah. explain sometimes for me. Um, so I remember that definitely, I think that experience for sure shaped a lot of, um, I'd say like maybe an insecurity with my group because like I was always in, in goodest spaces, and I didn't know how to explain it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I went to high school. Um, I remember one transition point was when I started bringing at this thought. That was like people were like, That's oh, changing. like what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> Did something change? Did you evolve mm-hmm. somehow? Like um, that one was different. I remember someone telling me, they're like, oh, I think you look better in your bandana. And I was like, uh, okay, well, uh, <laughs> moving Yikes. on. But like um, overall, I think it was never really a big issue being that. Mm-hmm. I would say, like, more so in high school, obviously, as, like, parties become a thing and, yeah. like, people are drinking and, like, socializing in that way. Like, mm-hmm. I think then I felt it. Like, it was just, like, not the thing I wanted to do yeah. and, like, big part of high school culture. So, like, it's a bit awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about this and I was like, I think, though, what really not saved me, but, like, gave me a great high school experience was that, like, I had a very core group of friends outside of school within mm-hmm. the Guru Nanak Academy and Gatka. Um, and they were, like, to me, they were, like, the friends that mattered or the life yeah. that mattered. Like, school was, like, oh, it's fun. And, like, mm-hmm. I, I was liked at school. Like, I did well. But, like, it was, like, my friends are these friends. And, like, having that core group of people who I knew, like, loved me, loved hanging out with me. Like we had a great friendship, I think mm-hmm. is so important, like in your Siki too, because it builds yeah. your Siki up and gives you the confidence that like sure. it is, right? Because you have it with other people when you're mm-hmm. by yourself, it's harder. Um. So I think like very, very grateful for my friends, very, very grateful for having friends within Saki who really, I think like, guided that path along all these years and so i think that really didn't make me feel too like left out in high school and stuff because i was having my own experiences like i wasn't going to the parties but i was going to the academy and i really liked it i know like that type of thing so um yeah overall i think like i haven't had too much like big moments of like oh my group or um my faith or whatever has been like a problem yeah yeah
0: no that's awesome i feel like that's now becoming a recurring theme um, which is nice to see because I feel like a lot of the conversations, even in general, when anyone goes into Sikhi, if you like speak to their family, they're always like, like, what went wrong for you? And why, mm. like, how did you get through school? But it's like, it's, it doesn't really show up. Hmm. Um, but that does make me, make me curious about when that incident happened with your qurban mm. at such a young age. Did the school react in any way?
1: Oh, man, it was so long ago. I remember like I, we spoke with my teacher and maybe the principal and they just kind of explained it and they were just like, okay, cool. Awesome. Like that is what it is. Like awesome. it, it never became a really big thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely I think it became a big thing in my mind of being something Fair. to be – didn't know how to like approach it sometimes. Um, but yeah.
0: That's awesome. We're going to veer paths a little bit now into your education and training. So what has your academic and career journey looked like so far? We've already mentioned a bit about where you studied, but what did that actually look like making those decisions from high school onwards that you're going to end up being a doctor?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So I finished high school um and i was looking at what to apply to in university mm-hmm. um you know there was the like very common path of sciences like that was like oh you're interested in any type of healthcare, uh, medical field like you're uh, going to go into science
0: i feel um, like everyone in dc i don't know why but the recurring theme is everyone who wasn't even interested in med ended up doing a science degree yeah i don't know why it was like the it,
1: praise degree yeah this, is it not the case in ontario
0: not really well we're pretty diverse we have engineers we have we have the usual stuff yeah but here it feels like everyone was in science mm. at one point mm. but yeah sorry, Yeah, that's very interesting
1: no that is interesting um and i guess like in high school i don't you know you have career planning and what so yeah whatever and like um the idea of being a doctor was ready in my head mostly because like i think uh, this might happen for a lot of people like if you're just like a good student at school yeah. you do well in sciences and uh, then you're like, oh, I want to like help people work with people like doctor comes to mind, right? Yeah. Like that's just like a typical course. And so I had that. I had like started volunteering at a place called Connect Place, which was like a hospice for children, um, mm-hmm. a hospice for children with like life limiting illnesses. And so like that was like w- my kind of only first exposure into like a healthcare world where I was working with patients. Um, That was in high school? It was in high school. Yeah, I started, I think, and I was, like, through my school, they had recommended, Mm. our career courses had recommended doing things you're interested in. Um, And, like, that was really cool because you, like, basically, like, hung out with the kids who, Mm. like, you weren't medically responsible for anything, but you are just in a space of medical issues. So I remember that being, like, one other thing. I was, like, oh, I really love doing that. So maybe that, you know, also indicates that my, like, the healthcare field, so I had started off with, like, this idea that, like, I might want to become a doctor, Um, but I was also very keen on being, like, that is not my only path, like, I wanted to be open-minded, like, I clearly remember that, I was, like, I don't want to, like, limit myself and think this is the only thing I can ever do, Mm -hmm. um, university is about exploring and learning, like, I want to make sure I keep an open mind to see, um, and so then what happened, and then I was gonna apply to university, and one of my close friends, who was a couple of years older than me going to UBC, she had heard about a program called kinesiology and yeah. I never heard of it before whatever. And she showed me, she's like, I think you'd really like this. Like, it's like, um, all about like, it's a really like sports body, yeah. how the movement of the body focus. Mm-hmm. And I was like somebody who was like, I, I play soccer and all the sports in high school. So I was also into that type of scene. So she's like, I think you'd really be interested in I looked more into it. And I was like, wow, this is perfect. Um, one of my very interestingly, uh, reasons I co- chose kin over science was mm-hmm. I hated math. I hated math and wow. I didn't want to do math in university. And if you did a science degree, you had to do math in university. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to do that. So it was mm-hmm. a, it was a, it was a factor in why I chose kin, but I also like, like the concept of kin. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I, I went in to do a degree in kinesiology. Yeah. Um,
0: there's no math involved in kin at all
1: not mandatory wow yeah (laughs) yeah like all the core courses in kinesiology are like um you know you do like physiology anatomy Mm -hmm. of the body like how do muscles work well you'll do like sports and wellness and sports psychology but that's their core courses like you don't need to be science you to be I guess with outside of biology, because you need mm-hmm. to learn about the human body. Outside of that, you don't need to do like chemistry or physics or math. Like none of it's in that, wow. in that degree. Because
0: almost every single person pursuing med is always thinking life sciences. Yeah. I think this is, I think through the database and the podcast, I finally realized that you don't have to have life sciences in yeah. a bachelor's to actually become a doctor. Yeah.
1: And and Very well, cool. a new change, I think it happened while I was in university and I had already applied to med school or done the core courses but like Mm. they used to have like even if you didn't have the degree in science or life sciences they had like core courses you had to do so like you had to do chem or physics or whatever Mm. but the ubc dropped those requirements so you actually don't even need any science course in your in your bag to apply to medical school you do need to take the mcat so the mcat is science based so you need to show you have some knowledge of like working within Mm. the sciences but you technically don't need a course and like obviously mind you it's been like eight years so I might be behind on the knowledge of what's going on yeah. now but like that was a change that had happened and I think to make more people like uh diversify who goes yeah. into medicine yeah
0: would that hold you back from anything in med school like no. pursuing a certain field nothing nothing at all, at all. it wow. really doesn't
1: matter like once you're in med school your pre-med school life is so irrelevant <laughs> <Fair> <laughs> it enough. is the truth like yeah. you your degree like your degree Sure, like, I think, like, my kin degree helped me when I was trying to learn about, like, sports medicine because mm-hmm, I had yeah. done that, right? But, like, I didn't need it. Um, so, your degree might help in certain facets, but it's not relevant. Like, you just have – you learn everything new.
0: <laughs> Interesting. So, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look into if that's a thing at other med schools across Canada now, too, because yeah. that, that'd be a huge – I think it would dispel so many myths Yeah. because not everyone in life science, anyone who wants to become a doctor, they may not just enjoy life sciences, which is what I've seen from a lot of people my age. Exactly. Um. So yeah, it's, it's, it spices thing up a bit. Well, I yeah. Think.
1: And I think like, that's the thing about medicine. I mean, that's what they're trying to do with it now, which I really appreciate is like, you can be for any walk of life and decide yeah. you want to do medicine because exactly. everything you need to know for medicine, they teach you in med school. Mm-hmm. Like you don't need to have prior knowledge really. Um, like, you need to have certain skills, like, critical mm-hmm. thinking skills and the yeah. ability to, like, reason. But, like, that's what they kind of, I think, like, fish for and, like, the interview and yeah. the MCAT sort of thing.
0: Interesting. So yeah. you were So, you're at undergrad at UBC. You're doing it in kin. When and how did you decide that, okay, I'm now set on med school. I'm going to try becoming a doctor.
1: Yeah. So, um okay, yeah, I was in my first year. I just like enjoyed first year. <laughs> then second year, I was like trying to think about, okay, like what am I doing and what courses do I need? Mm-hmm. Um, i had always kept all the, because at my time we did have prerequisite courses for, for medicine. So yeah. I was like doing them because I was like, okay, this is still an option here. Um, And up until this point, I knew like, hey, I definitely love the human body. Like mm-hmm. kinesiology really honed that in for me. Like really was interested in the courses. I loved learning about like also like is amazing like when you learn about how the body works it's just absolutely incredible what it can do Mm -hmm. um and so that was already a thing and then I always knew like I love interacting with people I definitely want a job in which like I'm having an impact in like the world and like you know someone's life like interacting with somebody in that way I knew I liked that
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um and then uh, kind of the last piece I guess really what honed it in for me was like this like problem solving piece which is like uh i'll explain more so i guess like i was in second year and i was doing my organic chemistry course which is like you know a hated course people don't like it um but all organic chemistry is is like puzzles like it's like you have Mm -hmm. a certain beginning and you need to get to an end and you have to figure out like how you can get there so it's like a lot of just like um problem solving and Mm -hmm. i actually loved it like i really enjoyed organic chemistry and it was so weird when i was doing that course i was like wow like if you love this like you'll probably love like med school. Like it mm-hmm. must be all problem solving and like trying to figure out a case or figure out what's happening with somebody. And so yeah. um, honestly, it was kind of after that where I was like, all right, like, let's try, like, let's be real about this and mm-hmm. let's try. Um, and then I think it became like my number one thing. Like I was going to try and be a doctor. Um, and then I, yeah, and from there, I started started being serious about applying. <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: In terms of the actual MCAT, Mm-hmm. how did you go about studying for it oh, yeah. and with the lsat the it's known as a test that you have to take a couple of times usually mm-hmm. you don't get the grade to get into law school on your first shot um so what does the mcat look like and what how did you prepare for it yeah um because i don't think we can suggest the best way yeah, it's different for everyone i agree so how did it work out for well, you? the
1: eternal question i feel like anybody who's interested in mad will always be like so like how did you do with yep. this mcat Um, the MCAT was, uh, hard for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I wrote it three times. So, um, I think like with the MCAT, it's very interesting exam. Like some people will write it once and just Mm -hmm. like do amazing. And it's like, they do great on it. Um, more than often, I think most people I know have written it more than once. Um, three, I think is like on the upper end, like two times, I would say more average, but Mm -hmm. like, um, Mm -hmm. What, I, what would I say? Like it was very interesting because I wrote it after second year. So that's when I first wrote it. Somebody mm-hmm. told me that was like a good time. Um, and then I wrote it after, I want to say uh, I skipped after third year, maybe, oh, sorry. I can't remember. I wrote it within one year because the exam was changing and I wanted to write it one more time oh, before it changed. Yeah. So that was like, I think within the same year, like that kind of summer I wrote it, then I wrote it again in the winter. Mm-hmm. And then I waited a whole year because like, I was done third I was going to go and like travel Europe and yeah. I was like I'm not studying for this exam like yeah. I'm done. And then I wrote it again after I finished my uh, undergrad so after okay. fourth year. Um what I really found was like I did a course the first time around and it was like helpful like they taught mm-hmm. you things. Um but it's really getting comfortable with the exam like yeah. how they ask you the questions. Mm-hmm. Um and then honestly I guess I wrote two versions and then the newer version I felt was a little bit more intuitive like mm. more critical thinking than the first one felt yeah. more like this is physics and this is chemistry. And it was just mm-hmm. like very science-y. Um, I would say the new MCAT was more critical thinking. And I always felt like when I voted after fourth year, I just had so many more skills to apply to the exam. Yeah. Like, I had done more critical thinking in Mm -hmm. university. I had to go through tough courses and I think it really helped me then write the exam again. Yeah, you're more developed. You can take it on. Yeah, which is like a bit controversial because the thing is some people want to apply to med school in third year and then you obviously like, so I didn't go to med school right away at a year off. So that's Mm -hmm. why I wrote it after fourth year. But if you were trying to go really on track, like you couldn't really do that. Um, So yeah.
0: Do you think taking that gap year or what are the benefits of taking a gap year? um for me personally I I did the same with law I was undergrad straight into law and I worked full-time that summer and I realized that that was um the time I could have had to relax Mm. and prepare myself for law school um and instead I had to take my 1L summer off instead to get time to travel and do things that Mm. I wanted so what were the benefits of that gap year for you what did you do during that time and how did it prepare you for med school
1: yeah great question so it wasn't a choice of a gap year, right? I just okay. didn't get in that year. Got it. Um, so, but I think everything is a blessing in disguise. Mm-hmm. And so I did not get in that like straight after med school. I was quite devastated at the time. I yeah. couldn't believe I didn't make it. Um, and, uh, Yeah. So like I kind of grappled with that and then it was like, oh my God, what do I do now? Like Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go to med school. I'm definitely have this like year off now. Um, Cause you find out in like May about med school, right? So it's like really late. Like you can't really like plan. Like it's, you find out in May, you're not getting in and the next school year starts in September. So like, I kind of just was like, okay, I didn't get in. And I think like then I kind of knew, like I was like, all right, I have like this year now. Like Mm -hmm. I knew I was going to apply again. I knew I had now this time. I wasn't like quick to be like I want to fill it with something. I was like, okay, like let's just chill and see yeah. what happens, right? And so I um, picked up a part time job at like a, as a research person um, at a hospital. Actually, no, it was full time to begin with. Like over mm-hmm. the summer, it was just two months. Yeah. Um. So I guess I was no. So I guess I did kind of jump into something. I jumped into working at the hospital. <laughs> a bit. Yeah. And um, and I study for my MCAT that summer too. So it was a crazy summer. And once I was done that and, and I applied again in September to med school, I tried to take a break. Um, and, um, i worked part time and I actually ended up doing like a bunch of with my mm-hmm. BBG, b- 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 my Pueggi, which was like super random. Like yeah. it was so amazing. And, um, like Marajis Bar, right? Like you never know what's going to come up in, exactly. in this like random break you have. And I think like, Honestly, looking back, like I have some friends who went straight and they just really like, like miss that because yeah. once you are in your career, you're schooling for your career. It's not like mm-hmm. being an undergrad, like mm-hmm. it's full on. It's like, it's full time. Yep. You you're on a track and you can't stop that track till yeah. you get to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, And I find that like people sometimes don't recognize that, like that one year will not set you back at mm-hmm. all. Um, you can take it to do like other life things that you've yeah. been in school for so long. Um, and then, yeah, once you're on this, like I, uh, I, I think we'll talk about this later, but like once you're in med school, like you're, there's just, there's, there's a track, you can't change it. Like yeah. you need to follow it. And I found that hard sometimes too. So it, um, I'm grateful for that year. I didn't, I didn't choose it, but it came and I had some experiences I would never have had, like. Since then, I haven't been able to go to India in, like, November, you know? Like, it's not possible. (laughs) Exactly.
0: Yeah. It's funny you mentioned med school. We're just going to get to that. Um, You enter med school. What's the first thing that hits you as the biggest difference between what undergrad was like and what med school was
2: like? Mm, That's
1: a good question. There's
0: probably a lot. There is. It's.
1: Yeah. I'm trying to think on that for a second because it was quite different. Um. I think the biggest, so it's very interesting because I guess that I want to say in a way is like take undergrad for undergrad. Like it never Mm. repeats. The experience you have in undergrad, like the freedom you have, the way you can pick your own schedule, your own time, the Mm -hmm. friends you meet, the clubs you can join. You're in your early twenties. Like it's a great time. And it's like, and I think like sometimes you, somebody, maybe if you're going to med school or something, you might feel like, Oh, like I'll have more of that, but it's really never, it's not the same. Um, I think in med school the difference from undergrad is like again it's very structured. So it was like we were in school eight to five Monday to Friday, right? Like really every single yeah, day. Um I believe I can't remember, but pretty much I think Tuesdays and Monday, Wednesday, Friday was always always the same. Tuesday, mm-hmm. Thursday we had like labs, but like yeah. really you had like a schedule every day, exactly. um, and you had to pretty much attend most things. It's kind of a lie. You could skip lectures as well, but like you know you probably wanted to attend your lectures. Yeah, exactly. um, And then I think like the difference is just like the crowd of people you're with. Like people are more Mm -hmm. mature. Like people are not all the same age. Like you have people who are coming in much older and have families and people who are like have their own lives before med school. So it's not the same kind of collegial like environment I would say as like undergrad. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's it's fun. It's only like I've made, I made some really good friends who I'm still friends with in med school. Um, But I would say a big difference is just like, the way your life is more structured because you're in a professional program now mm-hmm. that's training you to be something, right? Yeah. Like it's very specific. It's not as lenient as undergrad. We're kind of doing mm-hmm. what you want to do. Um, and then I guess the last thing maybe I'll add is you got to learn a lot. It's a lot a lot a of information. Yeah. Um, more Like I was pretty good in undergrad, but like I did struggle my first year in med school, like yeah. studying for exams and stuff. It was just a whole other ball game of mm-hmm. information. Yeah.
0: How did, if you have all that time in class, five days a week. Yeah. How much time are you now dedicating studying outside of class?
1: Oh, I don't even remember. It feels so long ago, but a lot. Like, because it was like, then you listened in lecture and then, mm-hmm. and I think like, I had to also evolve my study style. Yeah. Like, I, in, What did that look like? Yeah, like in undergrad, I was very like, I would listen to a lecture and I was right. the person who like, would re-write, like write my own notes, like mm-hmm. my own summary, my own thoughts, yep. and like study notes for that lecture. And I'd be like, okay, great. I'm Now I've yeah. learned it. Or like, have notes to a study or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I tried doing that in med school and it was going horribly because there were mm-hmm. so many lectures. It was yeah. and they were so dense. Like True. every lecture was teaching you so much and it was like I can't put this into a summary sheet. Mm-hmm. Um so really I ended up what I ended up changing I guess like this is very specific to my experience but I ended up being like a summary week like I would do notes um, notes on the whole week on a summary Mm -hmm. sheet. Like all the key points from all the lectures and put them on one sheet that I thought was relevant to like my learning. Mm -hmm. And it had to be more like my learning than the exam. Like I couldn't do like, I need to know every detail for the exam. It was just not possible anymore. Um so yeah, I remember doing that. I made like summary sheets. I still have them I actually refer to them sometimes still. Yeah. yeah. Um, it becomes a resource. It does. Yeah. It becomes something that like, you professionally, again, yep. can use because you're being professionally trained, right? Mm. Um, so True. yeah.
0: Wow. I never thought about it that way. Were the exams in, in law at most schools, it's everything boils down to the last exam. It's 100%. Mm-hmm. What you get on that exam is your grade. Is that the same case in med school?
1: Uh, No. (laughs) We had this joke at UBC, at least it was. And again, I'm a very UBC specific experience. Mm -hmm. Like I know some East East Coast schools can be different and other schools can be different. But UBC, um, we always used to say this thing like, P equals MD, so pass equals MD. You right. don't need to get ninety percent; you Got just it. need to pass your exam. And uh-huh. if you pass, you'll still get the MD at the end. You'll still be a doctor. Perfect. So, um, the exams didn't hold super high stakes. They were just mostly like you had to pass your exams. I okay. didn't. You, I wasn't aiming for ninety. I was hmm. aiming to be like middle of the pack. Get the get, get a good. You know what I mean. Get through the exam and yeah. and go on. Yeah.
0: Were they open book exams too?
1: Um, I do not think so. If okay. I can remember correctly, and That's I will scary. say like one thing. With med school like yeah you have your exams in the first two years Uh, this is so funny I think I haven't thought about this in so long it's crazy how long it's it's not even been that long it feels like it (laughs) Um, in your first two years like you write written exams and that sort of thing but the thing is you have two years of written studies and then two years of clinical clerkship study Mm -hmm. which is like you're on the wards rotating through like different rotations Mm -hmm. and that's so much learning comes from there so I just feel like it's not only all in the academic part. Like you're mm-hmm. going to learn, like my, most of my learning happened in third and fourth year. Yeah. Um, and so I think maybe that's also a reason why the exams are not so weighted. It's mm-hmm. because you have so much to continue to learn from. Yeah.
0: Did you do anything before entering med school to prepare yourself? The reason why I ask is it depends on the grad school, but a lot of upper years usually suggest just taking it easy. Because mm-hmm. you won't really know until you're there. Is that also the case with med school? Yeah. Okay. I think
1: we all say that. We always say, yeah, like, take it easy. You're going to be taught in med school. You're going to have to work hard when you're there. Like, yeah. don't do it before. It's similar to, like, when I say, like, we start clerkship. So that's, like, your clinical years. Mm-hmm. Um, You have, like, a summer off and stuff. And, like, we yeah. got the same advice. It will just be, like, don't start prepping. Like, just relax. You're going to yeah. be busy and you're going to learn on the word. It's fine.
0: Fair enough. Um. So that's, okay, now you've gotten from undergrad in med school then it gets to residency Mm. what's the process of choosing your residency and why did you specifically choose family med
2: yeah um
1: this is great i just also want to first start like just say like i'm really glad this podcast is happening because when i went to med school i had no idea of the process like i was like oh i got here i'm gonna be a doctor I didn't even know there was a residency. Like I didn't even know wow, that really? like I would finish four years and I'd have to choose a residency. Like uh-huh. I had no idea. And I don't have like nobody's medical in my family. Like no, none of my, and had no friends who'd gone to med school. Mm-hmm. Like just like nobody in my community it was a, a doctor. Yeah. yeah. And so like, it was all kind of like, I honestly remember like people brought up this things called CARMS, your residency, like in first or second year. I was like, what is that? Like I was like, I didn't even know. Uh-huh. So like, I'm really happy this is happening because I think like, You know, especially with communities who just are maybe like more marginalized or whatever. Like we don't often have those experiences in our families. We don't have people tell – my mom or dad is not a doctor. Mm -hmm. So many people in med school you'll meet, have parents who are doctors or grandparents Uh, or aunts or uncles, somebody. Um, And so, yeah, um, residency is a thing. (laughs) And it basically means it's the – so the first four years are is the training everybody does for medical school mm-hmm. to get your MD des- designation. Okay. Um, and then once you're, de- and you're, you're called a doctor after that. So after four years Just of med after, school. Oh, the four years. Okay. Yeah, four years. Um, you're, you know, you're, you're a doctor, GMA or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, what you then have to do is complete a residency in a certain specialty to then become that specific type of doctor to clinically oh, practice. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so yeah, it's a tough time, third and fourth year. Uh, you have to start just thinking about what type of doctor do I want to be? Uh, it's not as easy as it sounds. There are a yeah. lot of options. Um, and there's a lot to consider of like, I don't know, yeah, your interest your lifestyle. Um, I guess I'll like take this moment to also quickly share like my experience in med school um, being that so I know I've talked a lot and it might've seen like, Oh, I loved it. It was just like perfect kind of what I thought it was going to be journey, but it actually wasn't. Um, when I got to med school first year, like I really didn't like it. I, um, I don't know what it was. I think it was the academic heavy focused lectures that we Mm -hmm. always were sitting in and we were always just being talked at and all this information was coming at us. And I kept thinking like, Where's the helping people part? Mm-hmm. Where's the critical thinking part? Like, you're not really doing that in first and second yeah. year. Um, and it made me feel like, do I really want to be a doctor? Like, I just don't understand why I'm here. Um, and so that was hard because I actually, there was a point in which I was like, maybe I won't even do a residency. Like, maybe yeah. I'll finish four years and think like, I want to like you, I can, ha- I have the name mm-hmm. uh, and I have the platform, which gives you a lot of like power for advocacy. Yeah. Like maybe I just want to do something else with it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, I just want to like make that clear too, like medical school isn't this like you get there's this holy grail and it's perfect, like yeah. you're gonna have a different journey there too mm-hmm. um and so, yeah, I guess like the first two years of being an academic, I really didn't understand like where my passion lied
2: yeah.
1: um and then within third and fourth year, it's more clinical again uh again i I started off on internal medicine, so if anybody knows anything about medicine like. Some of the hardest rotations to start on. So okay. it's very intense. It's yeah. like you'd have a lot of knowledge and like you're on call a lot. So like that was also not a great experience. But really what ended up happening for me is um this might be like a, a long story here, but sure I'll oh, sure. That's yeah. What we're here for. <laughs> um, so I in I believe it was in maybe in second year actually, mm-hmm. I um like basically like had a like family staff come up with like alcohol use um, friends and family sort of thing. And I became passionate about trying to figure out how we can help the Punjabi community address alcohol use disorder, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's such a prevalent problem in our community. Yeah. There are no resources around mm-hmm. like people struggle so much. And I was like, Oh my God, I want to help. I want to do something about this. So I reached out to, I like Googled and I found um, Dr. Natasha Puri. She's mm-hmm. let's say definitely a mentor. Um, She's a really big leader in South Asian Uh, population addictions work in BC. And they had started like a clinic called Roshni, which was like specific to Punjabi people in Surrey to help with addiction. So anyways, I met up with her. We had this like great coffee chat. Like it was so inspiring. And I was like, wow, like the first person I've connected with who I'm like, this work is amazing. Like you're helping a community. You're there for, you know, like just all the things I wanted, like Mm -hmm. to be involved and helpful and make a difference in people's lives, like I saw it through that. I yeah. think that was like one of my first um, lights in medicine to realize like there is a niche here. Like you mm-hmm. can find your niche in medicine that speaks to you, that makes you happy, that is the work you want to do. Like yeah. it's so large. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that happened in second year. And like I worked on a project after that. Um, called Asta, the Punjabi Alcohol Resource. It's on Instagram if you want to check it out. But it's really like a resource for Punjabi communities. Yeah. Um, but like from that point, I think I started to f- realize again, like, there is a niche here in medicine. You mm-hmm. have to just find what it is for yourself. Yeah. Um, and then for me, essentially, when I got to third and fourth year, I was really considering psychiatry and family medicine where it kind of became the top choices and mm-hmm. considered pediatrics as well. Um, but I ended up landing on family medicine because like As a family doctor, you are, like, someone's, like, person. Like, you are their doctor... You are there to be with them through any of their problems that arise. You get to build a, like a connection with them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I felt like it was like one of the most impactful places you can be Mm -hmm. like on the grounds in the community where people first come to for help sort of thing. Like the ER is similar in a different way, but, um, you really get to build that as a family doctor. Um, so that's really what drew me to it at the end of the day. It was like, I know I want to be in communities. I know I want to be, um, connected to my patients. Um, And then also with family medicine is, like, you can do so much. Like, even family medicine, it's, like, I can do family medicine and have an addictions focus. I can do family medicine and I can have an OB focus. I can do medicine. I can have a derm focus. Like, you can really shape your career. Mm -hmm. Like, 10 years in, I could be, like, oh, I don't like doing addictions anymore. I want to do this. So, like, that freedom that comes with family medicine also is, like, very um, appealing
0: and you're doing that in Surrey right now the family medicine residency?
1: Yeah. So do you, uh,
0: do you get a choice in location? You do. Okay.
1: So you rank um B- UBC has a very large family medicine program and it has like I don't know like more than 7 sites for sure and mm-hmm. it's like Vancouver Surrey Abbotsford you know like Kamloops like they're yeah. everywhere so you can rank them by choice. Okay. Um and I ranked Surrey because of the population. That's where the Punjabi population is and mm-hmm. I really wanted to work with the Punjabi population so that's why I did it here
0: i I don't know if this is just me, but I feel like some family doctors are very closed off because once they like reach their mark and they're not accepting any other patients mm. it's kind of like okay it's a closed off kind of space um, Is there a space as someone in family med to go beyond your client base and do work in in the community on a like you know a more broad scope
1: uh, what do you mean by that like
0: so is there first of all time and is there like a collective of doctors that goes out in the community? does like camps or awareness seminars do those things exist
1: hmm that's a good question um i don't i don't so they i think the answer is probably no i don't think they really Mm -hmm. exist in that form yeah where like an individual family doctor or an individual person will be like doing some sort of outreach Mm -hmm. it does exist in the form of like like Fraser Health has like a lot of different programming yeah. that's more community-centered and like mm-hmm. you could be a doctor on that committee or that program. Right. Like I think that exists. But I would just say with the family doctor thing is like there isn't time. Like I think if you mm. run yeah. a full clinic, um, it's quite like, um, it's quite toxic and like seeing patients like every 10 minutes yeah. or 15 minutes and having your day go by. And I just think like at the end of doing all that and dealing with, you know, most, I don't know, the average number of patients to a doctor, but like it's thousands. Mm-hmm. So it's like after dealing with those thousands of people who you're kind of responsible for, it's really hard to like take something else on your plate. Yeah. Um, I think if you do take other things on your plate, you kind of, you you cut back on something too. Like that's mm-hmm. usually from what I've seen ends up happening.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to, we're going to switch topics about twice here. But before we get into balancing secure with school, education aside, Um, becoming a doctor is not easy. So what kind of qualities or traits does someone need or maybe it's useful developing if you want to become a doctor? Hmm. That's a good question. Thank
1: you. Yeah. I feel slightly hesitant because I also feel like there is such a diversity of qualities and people Hmm. within medicine who all make it work. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure that there's like, you know, that, you know, the certain qualities that will make you a good doctor I think everybody kind of brings their own kind of flavor to medicine Mm -hmm. Um, if I it's reassuring for some people yeah I really do think that yeah Yeah. I really think you meet you know you you meet the A type people you meet the like you know blacks type people like it's everybody's kind of there Um, I would definitely say like skills wise like I don't know for sure like time management is big like you Mm -hmm. your time is spent in a lot of different ways and be able to balance and understand like understand how to balance is really important to like keep Mm -hmm. yourself sane um and then like the ability to like critically think and be open-minded like for sure is really important skill you know interestingly i think like the medical society has these like qualities they want and doctors it's like being like a leader a professional a scholar Mm -hmm. you know like um certain things like that but I would say like mostly the qualities are being like motivated, having good like time management, having good critical thinking skills. I think yeah. those are probably pretty widely would it be agreed, agreed on as like qualities. Yeah. Cool.
0: What about any, um, a lot of talks usually before grad school or let's say if someone takes a gap year and they're not traveling, it's usually I need to rack up experiences that will make me look yeah. like a better candidate. Is that true or do you have any suggestions for things that might actually, you know, um, I don't want to say look nice on a resume, but help you like solidify your want to be a doctor, help you explore the field, things like that. Anything useful?
1: Yeah. Great question. Again, one that comes up a lot um, and it's, uh, again, one of those ones that's a little bit hard to answer. Mm -hmm. Something like, I don't know, it's very interesting balance i think because i cannot deny that med school looks for things they look yeah. for certain experiences they value when people vault like if you look at the med school application actually this is something i'd say if anybody listening to this podcast is like interested in medicine mm-hmm. like get to know what the schools applications ask for i yeah. think that's like a great place to start like for UBC, um, they have like different, again, if it hasn't changed, they have different categories. Like they ask for like three leadership experiences, they ask for five service to other experiences, they ask for um or uh working with different groups of people. Like there's certain categories they ask you yeah. to list like three or four experiences within mm-hmm. to show that you have that experience. So for example, like I would say, yeah, being aware of the categories there and thinking of like, what what do I have that I can offer to this application
2: mm-hmm.
1: is important to the application process. They yeah. do value it, they do go through it. But then this it goes back to like, I, I always hate to also say that you should be living your life in a way based on an application and that's yeah. what you do, right? Um, I used to, I, I'm not used to, I think I would still give the advice. Like, I always kind of said, like, pick your passions, like, see what you love to do and mm-hmm. then see if it fits in medicine you know, yeah. cause if it like you pick them and it fits, then it's a good fit. But if you pick them and it's like, so not even in the realm, like don't force yourself into yeah. that box. Um, and people always ask me like, what did you do? And I, I honestly say like, I, to be honest with you, like, I don't, I never really picked things like, Oh, it's going to look good. Not sorry. Never is a strong word. There are times when I did like mm-hmm. working in a lab for biology. I didn't really want to do that. I just thought it would be a good idea. Yeah. But for the most part, like Things I wanted to do, like, just ended up lining up with medicine because mm-hmm. I was truly just like, oh, I think this is a good experience. It will be yeah. fun. Um, so I think that would be kind of my advice is, like, see what you're passionate about, what you would really love to do, and then pick it and then look back and be like, okay, like, does this fit mm-hmm. into, like, what I'm wanting to now go into?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah.
0: Awesome. Um, again, like you've already mentioned, med school isn't easy. The workload's really tough. As an Amritari Sikh, were there any challenges in terms of balancing your overall Sikhi and met? And the reason why I ask is because that's also becoming a recurring theme. But for a good reason, because so many young uh, Sikh youth Mm -hmm. are now taking Amrit, Mm -hmm. right? And now they have to merge these two lifestyles together. And a lot of that merger happens in the undergrad, grad school Mm -hmm. kind of phase in life. So uh, what was your experience like?
1: Yeah, um, I... Feel this question. I had a lot of thoughts about this too before I like decided on medical school or being yeah. a doctor. I worried because everybody said that being a doctor, read, like med school, is so much, t- so much time, and you, you know, you yeah. have time to do other things. And uh, is that, that
0: true w- though? Like, did you really not have time to do anything? Um, no, I don't okay. think it's.
1: Tr- oh, it's not very true. Oh, it's somewhat true. <laughs> it's like in first and second year, you have time. When okay. you're in clerkship, that's the one third year where you're rotating through stuff. A big thing in medicine is like you're at the mercy to someone like the schedule. Like yeah. you don't control your schedule. Exactly. You don't pick, you know, like whether if you're going to be on call, if you're going to be on call on Nagakithin, you're on call on Nagakithin, you know, yeah. like it's like,
2: Damn.
1: I, I mean, and to be honest with you, like there are ways around it. I think mm-hmm. oftentimes in medicine, we don't get, get given the power to understand like you can ask for your schedule to change like like oh, build the yeah. courage, you can. It's just scary and it's hard it because of the of the like connotation to that. Like mm-hmm. you're supposed to do what you're told. Um. So I think a really big thing is you are at the mercy to another schedule. Like, mm-hmm. for example, like sometimes I do things. It's like I have to be on call two weekends of the month. And maybe I can pick which weekends, but like I have to be on call the weekends. Like I Mm -hmm. can't just say no to that. Right. So there is a lot of that. And I think in third year, especially when you're going through some really intense like rotations, it's busy and and it's hard and you're tired and it's not easy to do other things. So I would say like, yeah, to some degree, it's not a lie. Like your schedule, your life becomes busy. Um, but it's not impossible. Like I, I think like I've always, I've never felt like I lost out on a lot of life experiences or things. I think mm-hmm. I always made it work somehow. Nice. Um, so it's not easy, but it's possible, I guess. Got it. Um, but what was I saying before? Back
0: to the Saki being balanced. Oh, yes. School.
1: Yeah. So I was really worried about that. Um, I think I was like very, uh, yeah worried about time, worried about like taking time away from my sickie, right? Like, yeah. oh, do you my Pajkana and stuff. I won't have time, but it's hilarious because when I have so much time, I still don't do it. <laughs> I'm still sitting here being like, oh, I didn't do any Pajkana today. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, you have that thought and a really big issue or thing I was worried about was like my Nithanim because like, I knew you did like 24 hour call or, um, yeah. overnights at the hospital. And I was like, oh my God, like how mm-hmm. will do my said How old do my, uh, like morning Nithanim? And, and Nitin has always been Maraji Kirpa like very important to me. So mm-hmm. I was very like kind of <laughs> stressed about that. Um, you know, but Maraji Kippa, like we went with it. And I think what I'm learning as coming out of this whole experience is that like um, what's a priority to you, like you will make happen. You mm-hmm. will find the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like Maraji, I think is forgiving and Maraji is loving too, right? Like mm-hmm. if my my nithnim my dad has have happened at 3 a.m. Like I understand it's not the greatest thing, but like I don't think Majin is going to penalize me because it was like I was trying to learn this new skill or yeah. or whatever. And so like I think like I was able to maintain my nithinim throughout. It wasn't always on time, but it was always done, you know. Mm. Sometimes I had to like, when I finished my 24-hour call, like I'd come home and be like, okay, do I do my Nitinib now and just kind of get it done because yeah. I have to get it done, but like I probably won't really focus on it or do I sleep and try and wake up and do it, right? And it's just like, and you just yeah. make the call about what you feel is going to be the best mm-hmm. for your Sikhi. Um And so, and then I guess like another thing coming out of all of this, like I'm really thinking about recently is like, I've had so many experiences within medicine that have like, attuned me to like death you know and like how fickle our body is and how right. someone can pass away at a no- moment a mo- uh notices moments notice moments, moments notice yeah. yeah um and like it's just like a whole other level of like introspection on the human experience and like grappling with with concepts of like death mm-hmm. and our body and how this works and that in yeah. itself is such an amazing Sikhi experience mm-hmm. so um I think sometimes we don't know what we're going to learn and I think Maraji they told us to live just the lives, right? Like they didn't yeah. tell us to just be separate from that. So have faith that if your love for Maraj and like your love for Sikhi is truly there, like mm-hmm. you will find the beauty, you will find the Sikhi in what you're doing. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think in medicine it's a bit easier cause it's like all about humans and life and death. So you yeah. kind of like, you kind of are ingrained into ingrained into that. Mm-hmm. um, but I guess, yeah, I'll say like it is scary because it's a lot of time and it kind of feel like it's taking away from Maraj or yeah. taking away from your Sikhi. But I think like, again, yeah, coming with that lens of love for your Sikhi and knowing and having faith that that's strong, mm-hmm. um, you'll probably come out learning more than, and then, then like losing, I would say.
2: Mm.
0: In terms of your Sikhi, saroop, does it, do you find it that some patients end up being more comfortable with you because you have the saroop Does it play a part in those interactions with patients?
1: Oh, uh, like Punjabi patients, yeah. 100%. It's like, I think just the level of when I walk into a room and somebody, I think like the thing with when carrying a saroop is mm-hmm. that like they kind of have this assumption that like you're connected with, with Punjabi culture or yeah. like Sikhi and like if they're an elderly patient, they kind of know you might get it or mm-hmm. like... Whereas like like kinda, Yeah. Whereas yeah. sometimes when you don't carry the sroop, they can maybe not be sure. Like if Punjabi, you go like, they Janae. Like you kind of can't tell. So I, I don't want to discredit that because I think even being Punjabi of itself mm-hmm. is really comforting to any patient when you have the same ethnicity. Yeah. But the Sikhi soup I think really adds like this beautiful element of, like, that person recognizing that, like, you also have this connection to Maraj, and they bring up Maraj. And yeah. this is another thing I actually been thinking about, and I love working in Surrey specifically. It's like, I have so many Punjabi patients, and, like, I love that in work, like, Maraj will come up. Like, I'm working, yeah. and it's like, they'll be like, oh, Maraj di like, I've been doing well. Mm. Or they'll use some sort of Sahara, and yeah. it, like, you kind of get a remembrance of Guru Sahib too while well at work. And I, mm. I honestly feel really, like, I love that about my job. I love that about where I work because yeah. that happens. Um, and I'll share like a little um, uh, thing that recently happened. that was really amazing. Like we had, um, uh, there was a patient who was at end of life. Um, and they were, not not a Gorsik family, just a Punjabi family. Yeah. And they were reading Gurbani at the bedside, Slok Mahalanava when I walked in. Mm-hmm. And I was re- doing rounds, right? So I was just mm-hmm. like doing my regular, coming in and check on to see how you guys are doing. And then I just got to stop and listen to the yes. Slok Malanava and it was beautiful and then we did our Das together and it was just mm-hmm. like what an experience and like I I could never have that you know if I wasn't yeah. in this space so like just moments like that yeah make it really
2: really beautiful
0: very cool I was gonna I was gonna save this question for later but you have mentioned a few things already but is there something that stands out as the best part of being in family med so far mm.
1: yeah uh, let's see So some of these experiences I'm explaining are in the hospital. So they're Mm. not actually like the family medicine part. Like, because we rotate through everything. Mm -hmm. But I think the best part of family medicine is just like that connection you build with the patient. When you Mm. see them multiple times and they start to trust you and they see you as like a friend, like, you know what I mean? In a way. And like, and, and you get to guide them on like their health journey. Um, I think that's the best part. And you, and you get to be there for like the heart moments to give the cancer diagnosis and you get to be yeah. there for the happy moments to get the pregnancy like you know like it's just like you get to do everything mm-hmm. and you get to do it in like a personal way with people which is really yeah. nice you know
0: um going back to the types of patients you see in a family setting i guess it would be very diverse you can see the elders the children the parents interacting with them i'm assuming is very different right with every type of patient is that something you learn in med school or is that something you pick up as part of the job?
1: Something you pick up. Okay. Yeah. I think like, and I think this is where people's personalities and temperament comes in. Mm. I think you pick family medicine when you're like a people's person and you yeah. like to, you talk to people and different types of people. Um, but I think that's more definitely like a soft skill that comes with just like the experience of, of having more patients. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. As someone who now helps so many people, um, how do you help yourself? Do you experience burnout? And if Mm. you do, what does that recovery look like?
1: Mm. Yeah. Let's see. I think I'm only at the beginning here, so I can't even like fully be, (laughs) well, I guess somewhat of the beginning, but um, I would say, hmm, I remember one thing I reflected on early when I was in clerkship was this concept that I felt like I was always so divided. Like, you know, there's that circle of like social school sleep or something. I think there's like the, the triad uh-huh. of things in life or so- yeah. uh, whatever. And I was like, I feel like everything I'm losing out on, like everything is not good enough because mm-hmm. I can't have the energy to give to all of this. Yeah. Um. And I just remember I, had, I was like, you need to accept that you can't give to it all. Like mm-hmm. there you have to prioritize. Like if sleep is important, that's what's important. You miss out on the hangout, you miss on whatever because you got to sleep. Yeah. And so like, I, I think similarly here, it's just like, you gotta know where you wanna spend your time mm-hmm. and you gotta just be okay with what you are okay with letting go of. Yeah. Um and so I think like days can be long, days can be tiring and taxing and just know what kind of refills your cup, know what to say no, you know, like yeah. all that typical self care stuff. But I think it actually really makes a difference at the mm-hmm. end of the day. Um so I would say, yeah, I kind of try and practice that like Compartmentalizing my life a bit, like work mm-hmm. is work, I leave work at work, and then I come yeah. home and do the other things I like. Um, yeah.
0: What do you do when you're outside of work? Is a lot of the reason why I ask is a lot of what you do outside of work still connected to your job, whether it be research? Like yeah. Maybe the types of shows and movies you like <laughs> yeah. watching are all med related, or do you actually get to like completely disconnect from your work when you're off work?
1: I think I do disconnect quite a bit. Um. I imagine it may change when I'm like my own physician, like, you know, not Mm -hmm. working under somebody and really responsible where more work may come home with me. But I think like, um, it's not, yeah, I I don't know. I guess I can't completely answer because I'm not fully practicing, Mm -hmm. but as of now, I do think I've been able to, like you kind of, do work at work and sometimes like you study at work like when you're seeing cases you're reading about you're updating Mm -hmm. yourself about what to do right because you never know and so you kind of do a lot of your studying and stuff at work um and then when you come home like i might be an anomaly i think maybe i'm a little bit more relaxed than other people some other people may do more yeah Yeah, but um for me i think it hasn't been too hard to do and i still managed to get through everything well and good um I have an upcoming exam now, so, you know, now I'll definitely be doing more. But, like, yeah. um, I do think it's possible. I think it's possible to disconnect from from the things you're doing, yeah. Um,
0: are there any role models or mentors that have played a significant role in shaping who you are now? Whether that be med, whether that be Sikhi, whether that mm. be, you know, anything in your life right now, and what's the biggest lesson you've taken away from them? I know you've already mentioned Dr. Puri. Yeah. But in, anyone else?
2: Yeah. Um...
1: I think like um, medically or like academically speaking, like Dr. Puri for sure was a really big mentor for me in finding my path to like what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I also thought they have this very random, um, we had like this clinical instructor in first year. And I still remember her because she was very like, the type of person that was like medicine. I remember she said something like, medicine can't be your whole identity because if it is like you'll lose a part of yourself or something like she's a very big uh-huh. advocate for like understanding that, being a doctor isn't your identity; it's mm-hmm. something you do, and make yourself well well rounded. It so I don't know if mm-hmm. she comes to my mind as somebody who I think really at the time I felt very understood by, yeah. Um, and helped me know like yeah, that's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I mean, and then like I'm I have like a family preceptor who is like so in this program you get linked to like one doctor you work mm-hmm. with for the full two years you see them every uh like callbacks like once a week or every two weeks sort of thing like she for sure is like a mentor now to me because like Mm -hmm. i'm learning a lot of my medicine from her so i guess i'll add that um but then i think like from like a sickie perspective like obviously i've mentioned my mom like Mm -hmm. 100 has been a really great mentor to me role model and i think like i've had a lot of like uh i guess like Thoughts growing up in Sikhi, like, uh, by Pradeep Singh, uh, by Naveep Singh, they were saying like, they did, they taught me Gatka, Pradeep Mm -hmm. Singh taught a lot of like my Sikhi history knowledge, like forever indebted to like how they shaped my life through that. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I don't know what the greatest lesson I've learned though. Everything's a
0: lesson. Yeah. (laughs) To be honest. Um, I was, I wanted to ask a little bit more about um, the Yatra you took during your gap year. Um, why was it your decision to do the Yatra?
1: No, not really, actually. Okay. It was my so wedgie and in. my BPG and they wanted mm-hmm. to do it. And I was like, bro, I really want to come on this. Like yeah. I want to come with you. And I just joined.
0: <laughs> why do you think something like a Yatra is important? I did the same thing in my 1L summer, which was this past summer. Oh yeah. Um, why did you think it was important to join in on that?
1: <sighs> Honestly, like. I wonder how like how much thought I really honestly I don't think I ever had this thing in my mind like I, I need want, to do a with yeah. yatra right like it wasn't uh-huh. this like huge goal even though, like it's a beautiful goal mm-hmm. um I think it was just like this like I love Maraj. I love Punjab yeah. like Punjab is where they came from mm-hmm. and like anything to do with them is amazing right so yeah. like to me it was just like okay oh, hey, you guys are doing a bhandar yatra like it's beautiful I haven't gone to but Sahib. I haven't mm-hmm. you know like let's go and let me see it and have those darshan and so yeah. like I just think like any experience you get to Mm. connect with your history connect with like our history right like it helps strengthen your beyond it helps strengthen your understanding of where you like where we come from it it helps understand like strengthen your perception of sakya like Mm. i just so i think all of that is really like why it was a yes to going yeah Yeah.
0: um we're, we're coming close to the end of this podcast episode this one is one of the questions that has stumped all the guests so far. Mm-hmm. If you were able to speak with first year undergrad Bhavanjith, uh, is there any advice or lesson that you'd give her now that you've had all of this experience? Yeah.
1: What would I say? My first year undergrad or med school was it? Undergrad. Undergrad. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> far away, far away. Um I think it would be that like life is not gonna go exactly how you expect I like think it's gonna be cliche, but life is not gonna go how you expected. Yeah. Right. Like I got to med school, I didn't like it. I never thought that would happen, mm-hmm. right? Um, life is like not gonna go your feelings and emotions are not gonna go exactly how you expect. Yeah. But you have to like trust your instinct and your gut mm-hmm. um and be willing to learn. Like be yeah. open, like trust yourself and be open and like you'll be let down a beautiful path at the end of it, you know? And mm. again, I think like everybody always says that, but you you go through it and you realize like it's true. Like if you have those qualities, like life yeah. will go pretty well.
0: So where do you see yourself in now moving from past to future? Where do you see yourself in about, let's say, five years time?
1: Yeah, oh my God. So I am finishing residency this mm-hmm. coming July. Um
0: the exam you're studying for is that the licensing one? Yeah, the okay.
1: licensing exam. So. Um, and so five years after, like, I don't know, my goal right now really is like, I know I want to do community family practice medicine, like a mm-hmm. clinic, um, yeah, for like Punjabi population mostly. And then uh, addictions, I'm really interested in doing that. So I'm actually, I haven't mentioned this actually, that I'm doing like a three month enhanced skills Program for addictions medicine this coming year. It's like a, like again, so family medicine has a lot of options to tack Mm -hmm. on extra training if there's things you're interested in. So I'm tacking that on, you know, next year as well. Is
0: that through like UBC's med school?
1: Yeah, uh, through UBC's residency program. So they have like plus one year. You can do like a full year, you can do three months, six months, like there are are options. Mm -hmm. So I am doing that next year as well. So, and then my goal is really going to be again to work within the Punjabi community addictions world, uh, whether or not that's like in my own clinic or with through Mm -hmm. Fraser Health, I'm not sure. But like I imagine in five years that I'll be doing both that type of work in some capacity and have a good work-life balance is my goal.
0: (laughs) Awesome. So we like to end every podcast with what we call the random five. This is just where I'm going to ask you five totally random questions just so the listeners get to know you a little better. Okay. So first is what's your favorite book?
1: Oh. (laughs) When have I read a book last? Actually, no, I did read a book recently. Um, My favorite book. I am going to say, I don't know if I have a favorite, but I really love okay. Being Mortal by, Atil- I think it's Atul Gwande. It's a medic- medical book, but it's this mm-hmm. book that talks about the mortality of people because he's a doctor himself and he gets cancer. Anyways, it's a good Very book. Cool. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, What is your favorite quote and or Bonnie Punky? Okay.
1: Um, okay, I, I would say a quote I've really loved since I heard it was like, the only person I have to be better than is the person I was yesterday.
0: Oh, that's deep. That's a really nice one. Um, what is one of your weird quirks?
1: (laughs) I'm going to expose myself on this (laughs) podcast. Uh, I wish my husband was here. He would tell you a lot of weird quirks quirks about me. Um, um, one of my weird quirks. Okay, this one's going to be. It's not that i don't be like news. I like to sleep with a pillow on my head, not just with the pillow, yeah. but I like the pillow to muffle out all of the sound and the light in the room, so I'll put it on my right. head.
0: Nice. <laughs> um, if you could meet anyone in history, who would it be?
1: I think it would be like good to go up and sing, Jim. Yeah, what, <laughs> I know, I know, uh, but um, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah.
0: Uh, and last one: What's your biggest pet peeve? Our doctor's a lot to have.
1: Right? <laughs> Biggest pet peeve. People who are arrogant. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Doctors should not have that. But oh, a lot of them do. People who are arrogant.
0: I was going to ask that. I wasn't sure if <laughs> I should. But like being in grad school just does bring like some ego. Yeah. Like part of it's deserved because we work so hard to get there. Um, how How do you manage that? Or have you felt like... You've seen it a lot in med school. Like, Is, is it something hard to manage? Because you finally made it.
1: I know. You just, honestly, I think it's one of those things where you're just the lotus and you just let yeah. people be arrogant if they want mm-hmm. to be it. And you just do what you you think is right, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, you don't argue with them. You nice. just let them be. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. So that's the end of today's podcast episode. Before we finish it off, is there anything else you want to leave with our listeners?
1: Um, I don't think so. We've had a great conversation. So thank you so, so much for... Uh, taking the time out and and organizing it. it was really wonderful so thank you so much
0: no worries thank you so much for being with us and sharing your story being so open with it um and i guess we'll end off today's episode here you've been listening to the experience the key podcast